Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning. It's time to get up with Steph and the Warrior. His splash brother benched, but is Clay Thompson's new role the key to the Warriors' future? Meanwhile, Jerry Jones said Dallas is going all in, but can the Cowboys make any big moves when Dak Prescott is the one holding all the cards? Plus, draft day decisions, free agents, make or break seasons. Your critical QB questions answered all this morning as we get up with you right now. Hey, it's Friday. It's fun day. Let's go. In for green. We got a full NFL crew. We got Graz here. We got Mike T here. We got Bart here. Hey, we got legs here as well. And you're at the seaport. We're going to start, though, with a milestone in college hoop and, of course, the performance of the night, and it was Caitlin Clark. Because number four, Iowa, hosting Michigan. Caitlin Clark, eight points away from making history in front of a sold-out arena. Only took her two minutes into the game to do it. First possession of the game, Iowa with the ball. Clark driving, scoring. She's six points away now. And then the next possession, off the double screen. Count that three. Three points away. And then looking for history from the logo. Here comes Clark. How will she go for history? women's college basketball. 3,528 career points. She passes Kelsey Plum, all-time leading scorer in women's Division I history, and she wasn't done. Look at this, the step back. She had 23 in the first quarter alone. Tied her career high of 46. I was up 14. Look at this, off the screen. Yep. New career high, 49 points. Family in attendance. She gets the standing ovation. Iowa gets the win over Michigan, 106 to 89. You know, Clark entered the season 810 points behind Kelsey Plumps for the NCAA scoring record. Chased her down thanks to averaging 32.8 points a game, most by any woman in the last 30 years. Now she'll look to break Pete Maravich's record for the most points scored by any D1 player all time. She is just 98 points away from that milestone. All right, we got to get to the game of the night. We got legs here with it, and it is the Jazz taking on the Warriors. Clay Thompson coming off the bench for the first time since his rookie season uh, in 2012. And let me tell you something. Yo, it worked, Legs. Yeah. He was smoking. Give him credit. He embraced it. He, he mentally got himself to the place he needed to get to to get himself going, and he did early. I think it might be a role going forward that might uh, suit him well. Hey, Clay had 35, seven three-pointers, 28 minutes off the bench. Hey, the Warriors were rolling. They led 120-102 after three quarters in this game. Let's get right to the fourth quarter here, Legs, because the Jazz are now down just three. Laurie Markin and misses. John Collins comes up with it. He doesn't dunk it on. Jazz are now down just one. Ten seconds to play. Markings and misses. Collins the rebound. 
but he throws it away. Yeah, right here, sort of panics, doesn't execute this, throws it up about eight rows up the stands. He can't believe it after the Warriors made a free throw. Look, the Jazz had a chance to tie it. Colin Sexton misses that three Warriors going to win this one. Whew. 140 to 137. But speaking of Clay and the Warriors, Golden State now going to the All-Star break, eight and two over their last 10 games. They may have found something, though, in Clay coming off the bench. Yesterday, his 35 points and 13 made baskets, both a season high for him. 18 of those 35 came in the third quarter, which was also the most scored in a quarter for him this season. So I guess it begs the question here, Legs, does Clay coming off the bench, does that improve the Warriors, you think? Yeah, if he mentally can embrace this, which, listen, this is not an easy thing to do for a player of this caliber at all. Give him credit because he obviously was in the right place mentally. If he's willing to accept it, I do think it can help their team for a couple reasons. It's become this, this storyline with the Warriors every night when Clay Thompson is starting because of how inconsistent he's been this year and the struggle shooting. Is Clay going to get going? Is Clay going to get going? And that's how they start games every single night. And he's just hunting shots trying to find his rhythm. That's not a natural way to play basketball for a team. So you go with Brandon Pajemski, it's a little bit of a different thought process. He's out there. He's going to be more of a facilitator. He can still get his own shot. But now I think there might be some better continuity at the start of the game. And you have now condensed Clay's night in terms of minutes. He's going to play in the upper 20s in minutes coming off the bench. I think that might be a good thing for him at this stage of his career. And he also knows when he comes off the bench, he's got one thing to do. They come in with the second unit primarily to start the game. And we're going to go to you, and we're and it seemed like that really did something for him in terms of his aggressiveness, his confidence. Everything was flowing last night, and he looked like he was okay with the whole thing. This might be something going forward that can help the Warriors. I mean, I don't know if it's enough yeah. to, to, to elevate them to like a team that can really do some 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 work in the postseason. But I think in the short term right now, this might be the best thing for Clay Thompson and the best thing for the Warriors. Obviously, they believe with this core that they can do some things because they didn't make any big trades there. We heard about the LeBron stuff, which has shocked a lot of people. But are you buying the Warriors as a contender? I don't think I could call them a contender. I do think this would be a scary team to have to play. But when you just look at how loaded the West is and the number of teams that you'd have to get through to make a long playoff run, it's hard to believe that it's, it's that time for the Warriors. Now, look, I do see some things trending in the right direction right now. You know, Clay Thompson, and this isn't just uh, uh, last night against Utah. He had another game against Utah two games ago where he was up in the, in the upper mid-20s. So he, I think he's finding a little bit of rhythm. Wiggins has been better. Kuminga now has developed into a consistent, you know, star for them, starter for them, a guy that's going to give you 15, 20 points every single night. Steph's obviously been sensational. Pajemski's been really good. Uh, they just got Gary Payton heard, back. Yeah. So they're playing better. There's no denying it. When you watch them, they look a little you different than they did a month ago. But you're talking about making a run through the West with what you have to face and the number of teams that are loaded. I don't think I can call them a contender because, for me, that means you think maybe conference finals. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't think you can get to the conference finals, you're not a contender. So that's why I don't think I can put them in that category. We're going to talk more NBA because we've got to get into the Bucks as well here with legs. But it's to the NFL where the offseason is in full swing. So it's time for some bold predictions. Dan, get us started. I'm going to predict Derrick Henry signing with the Cowboys because I know – that this show is all about the Cowboys. No, I know uh, 
that Jerry Jones has said he wants to go all in this offseason. Nobody knows exactly what that means, but this is the kind of move that could make it look like they are, right? Like he's a running back. Not a lot of people lining up to pay running backs. Not a lot of people lining up to pay 30-year-old running backs, but it'd be a splashy move, and Henry's still got plenty left in the tank. Uh, Mike T., what is your offseason bold prediction? The New York Jets, I think a team that uh, you guys may be familiar with, signed T. Higgins because outside of Garrett Wilson, they are desperate for a bona fide outside receiver. 25 years old, 24-year uh, career touchdowns, averages 14 yards a carry uh, reception. I think he, with Aaron Rodgers, he can make this offense truly transformational. Bart, give me your offseason bowl prediction. They love me, they love me not. Justin Fields, will he stay or will he go? I think he goes, and I think the place that he should go is back home. There's no place like home. Go to Atlanta Falcons where he can, you know, match up with Kyle Pitts, you know, Drake London, Bijan Robinson. I think it will be one of the most dynamic duels that we have, a young core with a dynamic quarterback. I think they can maybe bring some back those days they had with Michael Vick when you talk about one of the greatest shows to watch with the explosiveness of what that offense could look like. What a great um, present for Raheem Morris. R- welcome back. All right, so Mike T, he thinks obviously the Falcons is the best fit. What do you think best fit for Justin Fields? That's not bad, but I really like Pittsburgh, guys. If you look at their new offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, and all the success he had as an offensive coordinator in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill, a big, strong, athletic quarterback, I think Justin Fields – that really comps very, very well. And you look at those skill players that Pittsburgh has around what Justin Fields would have, it'd be much better than whatever he had in Chicago. So if I'm Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin with that defense, you have a brand new offensive coordinator, gosh, you get Justin Fields, that changes Pittsburgh immediately. What do you think, Ross? I'm with Mike. I like him in Pittsburgh. I think Arthur Smith is creative and, and would, would build around the running game, the strong running game they already have. Fields as a running quarterback would augment that, and then you have you have receivers that can that that, that can be reliable and are explosive. Uh, I, I think that would be the place for Justin Fields. It's a it's a stable organization, uh, which is something he needs at this point in his career. So we can find out exactly what he, uh, you know, what he has going forward as a starter. And and uh, I like Atlanta too, but I think Fields. I think it's Arthur Smith's new team. I would give the edge over Arthur Smith's former. But team. here here's why Atlanta, in my opinion, one he would be going to a weak division. Yep. Two, he'll be going home where he can feel comfortable and deal with the pressures of having to be the guy. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of shades of, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't remember that Brett Favre didn't get drafted by Green the Bay, Green yeah. Bay Packers. It was Atlanta. And a lot of people don't remember that Steve Young didn't start right. with the San Francisco 49ers. It, this is a place where, you know, both things can be true, right? He can be moving on from Chicago, but it doesn't really mean that he's a bust. Right. You know, this means that, hey, it just didn't work out the time he didn't fit. I think he can still be on that Hall of Fame trajectory if he's put in the right place. And I think, you know, Raheem Morris is going to be stable for at least three years. This is a team with $29 million of yeah. salary cap space. So you talk about what they have, but you talk about what's out there. Whatever you need, you'll be able to go get, right? You need defensive linemen that's available. You need interior linemen, but you already have a solid offensive line. They'll be playing. I don't know if I want to sign this young quarterback up to play against the Ravens twice. Yeah. They're going to have to go head-to-head with Joe Burrow yep. twice. Mm-hmm. Have to deal with, you know, Deshaun Watson, if he can figure it out twice. <laughs> but by the time he goes to play people outside the division, I think it's a softer landing for him if you go to a weaker division. A team that's young and exciting, you put him and B. John Robinson in some yeah. type of RPO read option, 
the ability outside. And maybe, just maybe, you talk about Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith couldn't find a way to use uh, Kyle Pitts after they spent that high draft pick. He was like non-existent in that offense. It's because he had a quarterback kept throwing it to the other team, right? Like, if you can get Fields, I mean, Fields obviously would be an upgrade over what Arthur Smith was working with at quarterback in Atlanta the last couple years. So I I think that would be the difference. And we have seen Arthur, as an offensive coordinator, have success uh, with, I think, lesser personnel than what Pittsburgh – Mariota, yep. Right. So – and even like what – when Tannehill started playing well, A.J. Brown and and what else? So – and Derrick Henry. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, th- I, think it's, I think those are two good spots for him. I, I would say I would give the edge. And, s- and sometimes the change of scenery is good for a player. It did yeah. for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Look, all of a sudden, Baker Mayfield comes to Tampa Bay. We, we think totally different about him. But is the jury still out, you think, on fields as a starter, Mike? Yeah, I- absolutely. Uh, certainly from a frontline starter. Look, he's still young. He's 25 years old. 60% completion percentage. The biggest question about Justin Fields, guys, 135 sacks. Yeah. That's a lot of sacks. Now, in fairness to Justin <laughs> Fields, that offensive Who line uh, was awful. Now, last year was better with Braxton Jones, Darnell Wright. Early in the career, it wasn't. But if we were sitting there in Atlanta or Pittsburgh, that would be the big question. As Graz, you know, again, just said, when you look at what Arthur Smith did in Tennessee, mm-hmm. it really built an offense that made Ryan Tannehill play to a strong suit, move the pocket, and that's what Justin Fields is going to need. And I think he goes to any of those two teams. I think he's top 12, maybe top 14. I don't know if he's top eight, but there is a lot to work with there. But, but, but i get to you really quickly. Fair trade compensation then for Justin Fields? I think calling around, it seems like a second rounder is about the best they're going to do. I mean, if they can get multiple teams interested, you know, maybe you can yeah. get a little bit more. But I think if they can get a two for him – uh, that, that, then that would probably work or a package built uh, around that, depending on where in the second round uh, the pick would land. But I do think it's important to, to I mean, to, to Bart's point, like, I don't think the Bears are, would be dumping Justin Fields for the sake of dumping him. If they didn't have the one pick, right. I, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. Yeah, they, they can't do that two years in a row. Right. Pass on C.J. Stroud. We've seen what C.J. Stroud right. you know, is. But what I'm saying is, like, right. Fields, I don't think that the Bears think Fields is useless. Right. I, I think they feel like, you know, if Reset they have the, the one clock. pick and they can upgrade and restart the clock. Right. And, and they've already started to clear salary uh, space. What They cleared $21 million, so they're going big game hunting. And you only do big game hunting when you have a cheap quarterback. <laughs> I love it. We're just getting started here. Coming up, you know, the NFL free agency, of course, rapidly approaching. Is Dak's big contract going to limit the Cowboys when it comes to a spending spree and when it begins? Plus, after failing to make a big splash for LeBron at the trade deadline, are Steph and the Warriors better off? And can LeBron make one last run in L.A.? It's get up. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Get Up is brought to you by McDonald's. Mm, Gentlemen, it's time to play a game of fact or fiction. Bartholomew, since you want some McDonald's, if I said the 49ers are the biggest challenge, Chiefs three-peat, is that a fact or fiction? No, I I don't think so. I'm going with with the Rams because I think the Rams are, you know, ahead of schedule. They got two great guys. You know what? No, I'm sorry. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. I forgot that Joe Burrow was still there. Uh, Joe Burrow's coming back. Let's see if they franchise tag T. Higgins. Listen, he's the only guy that has proven consistently that he can go throw for throw with Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going with uh, Macaulay Cock and all grown up. Okay, Graz, if I said Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback available, is that factor fixed? It's a fact, and I'm not hedging either. I'm not going to be like Bart, because I know what it's like to be behind the guy in line at McDonald's who can't decide what he wants. <laughs> Look, Kirk Cousins was playing at an elite level before he got hurt, and I think that the Vikings are very interested in trying to bring him back uh, as, their, as their top choice this offseason. If they can't do it, I think he'll be the most highly sought-after free agent quarterback. The one hang-up, he is coming off an Achilles tear, uh, but I guess he was hanging out with Aaron Rodgers, so he should be back pretty soon. Mike T, if I said Dak will be the highest-paid quarterback this offseason, is that fact or fiction? It better be fiction. He should not be over $50 million a year. You look at that sort of real estate of Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, stay below there, Dak. You want to keep C.D. Lamb. You want to keep Micah Parsons. You want to be able to spread the wealth, so that should definitely be fiction from a Cowboy perspective. Since we're talking Cowboys, did you guys hear what Emmitt Smith said there at the Super Bowl? Take a look at this. Uh, He said, quote, talking about his former team, nobody wants to fight no more. Nobody wants to fight hard anymore. They want to say, oh, we're the Cowboys. Tell me how good I am. Check out my Instagram posts. See me on my podcast. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm everything without doing anything. And everybody's patting them on the back. People want to give them so much without doing nothing. 
And what they're living off of is what happened in the past, not what's going on and going down right now. Sounds like that's a little subtle shot there, Michael Parsons. You're keeping, it, well. keeping it real, real man. Okay, Listen. Part? Real subtle. To, 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 <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, you're right yeah. about that. He, he these, basically said it without mentioning his name. Uh, uh, these, these OGs are getting fed up, right? Like, to quote the great Willie Beeman, steaming Willie Beeman, yeah, yeah. don't let my success go to your head. And that's what's going to these younger <laughs> players. They're riding off the success of the 90s uh, Dallas Cowboys, that, 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 that dynasty that they had, right? And they haven't proven anything, right? And they're riding, and, and, and to where the stars is a very special thing. We yeah. talk about, you know, one of the most successful brands there is in all of sports. And, you know, they, they get everything, accolades. Everything is, is, is multiplied when, when, when you do something in the Dallas Cowboys you know, uniform, but they haven't delivered. They, not only have they not delivered, they have underwhelmed. They have fallen short time after time after time. It is just not unique to this uh, iteration of this team. It goes all the way back to the Tony Romo days. They always fall up short, and it, to me, if it's not the players, because the players are different, it's the culture and the environment in which they live in, and they are too comfortable over there, and somebody needs to make them uncomfortable. I, I don't think the Cowboys and that, that, that building has been uncomfortable since Bill Parcells, Parcells was, was in there. And, and, I was and they say, came up short. And I was going to say, is it, is it a leadership problem? Is it a culture problem? It's a culture problem. I, they, they, get, they get to go to the cushy, like, let's go to California for camp. Man, they need to be out there like the Junction Boys, right? They need to be out there in that Dallas heat dealing Which with Which is called Falls, they, where we used yeah, to be out yeah, there. Yeah, they, they, they need to toughen up, man. Awesome. It's, it's too cushy over there. They're in the suburbs. You got to do like Apollo Creed did to rock it, take them to the hood. <laughs> what you know, do you think, Mike? Yeah, you know, Brian, when you, when you listen to Emmett, you know, it's the whole notion of when you're a champion, you walk into a room for the rest of your life as a Dallas Cowboy champion, you look at Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, they've made a career off of that, which they totally deserve. And I think what the essence of what Emmett Smith is trying to say is like, be a champion first and then all the spoils. Like you go around New York City, you know, Derek Jeter, Eli Manning, Phil Parcells, Tom Coughlin, Lawrence Taylor, they're champions forever. It changes the narrative. And I think what he's just saying is like, let's earn it first before we start going out to Bart's point about the brand versus the actual accomplishment. I mean, what do you think, guys? You've been to the, the Star in Frisco? Yes. Yeah. Pretty, pretty easy to get pretty comfortable nice. there. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I've been to their training camp out, out there in uh, in uh, what, what in uh, Southern California. It's pretty, pretty sweet. Oxnard. Oxnard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think as, as disappointing as it is for, for college-age me to listen to Emmett Smith entering his grumpy old man phase, I, I do think that there's something to be said for a lack of – like, I don't know who the leaders are mm-hmm. in that locker room, right? Like, who are – who is the – Who's the accountability guy? Who, who are the yeah. people that are gonna that are gonna hold your feet to the fire when you're not doing your job? I think they have good players, and I think they have guys that that, that understand that role. But I don't know that they have, you know, like oh. for, the, for lack of a better word, mean guys, yeah. right? Like to like the, that aren't that aren't afraid it's to like, hurt your feelings. Yeah, and, it, and I do think there's something to be said for that. It's not mean. It's about having uncomfortable conversations. Right. Yeah. It's about putting others first. And going back to Dax Prisk, uh, Dax contract, that's a great place to start. Be a little selfless. Leave something on the table for others because they have a great nucleus, but they do have to be a little bit more uncomfortable to get to where they want to go. So you talk about if Dak, if you're going to leave something on the table here because if you want to help and bring in some guys here to help you win, should he want out of Dallas considering he looks at his teammate, his teammate's brother, his teammate's mama talking about him on Facebook? talking about But, him but, on- but it's warranted, though. Like, he's had the opportunity. No, it's not. To me, it's warranted. Like, listen, we're judged on, in this league off wins and losses. 
and how you show up in the big moments. Nobody cares about what you do in the regular season. We say it all the time. You make your name in the regular season, you make your fame in the postseason. And he hasn't been able to live up to expectations. And too often, other people have had their moments at the expense of Dak Prescott. This year, Jordan Love had his moment at the expense of Dak Prescott. When are you going to come up and be the best player out there? And I know it's not all on the quarterback, but it's going to, the quarterback gets all the praise and all the, uh, and, and, and all the credit. So, some of those losses, though, were, were clock management. This loss to Green Bay was in all three phases. The kicker missed a kick. The defense didn't and play well. So Overcome your coaching. Right, but I'm just saying, Brian, to go back to your question, if I'm Dak Prescott, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. You're going to leave the Dallas Cowboys. Like, where, where are you going to go? You want to go to New Orleans? Like, to me, like, Finish your career where you started. It's a tremendous platform. What do you think? Where do you stand on this, Carl? Yeah, I mean, I think being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys is not something people generally want to give up, and I don't think Dak does either. I, I mean, look, this is a large versus small sample size issue. We can judge everybody on playoff success, but that's not a lot of games. Uh, at some point, the Cowboys feel like if they stay the course, it'll work. All right, we'll, we'll see what happens here. Uh, when we come back, you know, the Warriors, boy, uh, they made a big push for LeBron at the trade deadline. Did he make a mistake not joining forces with Steph Curry? We'll discuss that when we come back. Plus, NFL roster is being reset. We got three QBs that could reshape the league. The big question is, who do you trust most? Our answers are next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Back here on Get Up, it's the upset of the night. You know, the Bucks were 14 point, up 14 at the half on the Grizz on Wednesday. And look at this. We jumped to the fourth, though. Five minutes to go, tied up at 98. It's Giannis spinning and winning. Bucks are up two at this point. Under three minutes. Grizz down one. GG Jackson. Oh, Miss Jackson. GG is for real. He knocks down the three. Grizz up two. 104-102. And the next possession is Santi Aldama throwing it up. Zaire Williams throwing it down. And the foul. Makes the free throw. Memphis up six. 40 seconds to play. Bucks down six. Dame Lillard. Malik Beasley. He knocks down the three. It's a one-possession game. So, Bucks in possession after a grizzly offensive foul. Dame gets stripped, loses it. Brooke Lopez recovers. Back to Dame to heave. No good. The Grizzlies win this 113-110. Here's Doc Rivers after the game. First play, we, we gamble for the 50th time in the corner. Guy drives. Uh, we have to help. Leads to a three. We come back in this, uh, on our set. 
uh, two guys forget what we're running. Uh, then we miss the shot, and then nobody gets back. That's how we start out the third quarter. That tells you all you need to know about where our heads were. Um, you know, um, we, we had some guys here, and we had some guys in Cabo. Mm, take a look at this. Bucks were just three games back of the Celtics for first in the Eastern Conference when Doc took over. They are now eight and a half back, thanks to going three and seven under Doc Rivers. Even worse, with Doc, they are one and three against teams with a losing record. All right, back here with Legs, and it's time for contender or pretender Legs. Uh, let's start with the Bucks. Are they contender? Are they pretender? I'm still saying contender. You're not going to get me uh, to say the team's a pretender when you've got Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard. And here's the thing with this team. that They've lost 8 out of 12. I get it. And in a variety of ways. They've lost close games. They've been blown out. Doc Rivers really can't have any sort of impact on the fly midseason as a head coach. It's even harder for a coach than it is a player to join a team in that situation. So now we've got to give him more time to see if he can tighten up because this roster is good enough. And here's the thing, Brian. It's basically the path of least resistance. Mm. In the Eastern Conference, there are just fewer teams to go through, so I still think they're a, con they're a contender. What about the Knicks, contender I think, or pretender? I think they're a contender, too, because, I, first of all, I love the way they were playing pre-trading deadline. Now you look at this added depth. Right now they're decimated by injuries. It's impossible to judge them. They're on a losing streak. Let's get through the break. You get Julius Randle back at some point. You incorporate the new pieces. Figure out your rotation. I still think the Knicks, again, because of the just fewer teams that you've got to go through at the top, I think the Knicks, when it's all said and done, will absolutely be a contender, potentially a conference finalist. Let's go back out west. How about the Lakers? Contender or pretender? I'm going to say pretender for them, and it's because of this. There's just too many teams that are too loaded in the Western Conference. And look, some people might say if you get Minnesota, you get Oklahoma City, these two teams at the top that have very little playoff experience collectively, and you get the Lakers, like the Lakers could be favored in a series like that. I hear you, but I don't know that I would go there because both of those teams have been so good on both ends of the floor all season. And then you start throwing in these other teams. You throw in the defending champ, Denver. You throw in a better Phoenix team. You throw in Dallas, who I think right now is going to be scary with their new additions and the way that Kyrie Irving is playing right now. And I probably left some people out. That's how loaded Clippers. That's how loaded the West is. So to think that the Lakers can come from wherever, play in or a sixth spot, whatever it may be, and run through that gauntlet to get all the way to the finals – I just don't believe that's going to happen. I don't think their roster is good enough despite the fact they've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And especially when you look at the top and it's, it's Denver and, and, and you look at Minnesota, the way Minnesota continues to, to beat good teams there and remain at the top of the West. Uh, can the Lakers make one last run, you think, with LeBron? I think it's going to be difficult. Look, I, I know that they've got two guys that physically can win any matchup in front of them. And so when you've had that, you're going to be a tough out, a tough team to play against. You know, all the playoff experience will factor in as well. But it's really just the physical stature of these two players and why they're, they're so difficult. But I just look at the rest of the roster, and then I compare them to what they're going to have to play against. It's hard for me to imagine them doing something similar to what they did a year ago when they made a run from the play-in and they get all the way to the conference finals. This is a different Western Conference. I think these teams are legit, including Minnesota and Oklahoma City. I think those two teams have great core continuity. And in Minnesota's case, you're talking about an elite-level defensive team with size that could go up against the Lakers if that was a first-round matchup. So I just, I just look at the minefield. For the Lakers, it's just different than what you have at the top of the Eastern Conference. All right, Lex, I want you to stick around because we're going to talk about something that you love, Washington. Uh, we'll get into that. Hey, uh, we're going to remind you, though, NBA All-Star Weekend, it begins tonight. 
7 Eastern, Indianapolis, the Celebrity Game right here on ESPN and the app. Stephen A, Shannon Sharp, they are the head coaches. Stephen A with a sore ankle as well. <laughs> Wait till you hear about how he hurt that ankle. All right, let's head back over to the NFL where the draft just over two months away and in Field Yates' first mock draft of the season, the former Heisman Trophy winner, USC quarterback Caleb Williams, projected to be taken by the Bears with the top pick. Now, overall, he's got five QBs going in the first round. You take a look there. One, two, three at the top of the draft. He's got the Patriots resetting with Drake May. The Commanders second picking the Heisman current. Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels. All right. Um, <laughs> Speaking of, Sir, yeah. Sir. Commander Tim, look, our I want Wagler, the truth. He's been in season ticket holder for a couple of decades now. We can't. I went into the wrong line of work. I look good in that uniform. Maybe that should have been where I, where I went, man. I love Commander Tim. That is Come tremendous. Now All right. It's old. Never gets Mike old. Mike T, we got to start with uh, those commanders. Do you need to think you think they need to go all in? Go get Caleb Williams, you think? I, I don't. I think they stand pat where they are. You can get Drake May. You know, someone would take Jaden Daniels. And I really like Caleb Williams. I think he has a chance to be really good. Two things he's got to clean up the turnovers and the sacks. He was sacked 83 times. And offensive tackles have been taught since Pop Warner pushed the pass rushers past the pocket. Caleb Williams has a really bad habit of trying to escape backwards, and yep. he's running to a bunch of sacks. That could be fixed. Um, Look, they have some really good young players, and Tim knows that, you know, from Terry McLaurin and some of their other young skill players. And Drake May didn't have a lot to work with. I think you draft Drake May there. He has all the intangibles, and that's the way I would go. I wouldn't pay that massive premium for Caleb Williams. Legs, look at that. I said it. You season ticket hold for like a couple of decades now. Do you want Washington to trade up and go get Caleb Williams? I don't, and here's why. Because of the mixed bag of reviews I get with all the NFL people that I talk to. And I think that's scary to me for a guy that's supposed to be surefire number one. I feel like I don't hear as much of that with Drake May or even Jaden Daniels, but I hear a lot of that with Caleb Williams. Like, the, the, the reviews are all over the place, and that kind of scares me that you're going to give up something additional when you might be able to just pick the guy too that might be the better fit for your franchise. So that's scary. I, I'm almost like in Washington – let it be like a Greg Oden, Kevin Durant situation, right? Yeah. Where being number two is good, right? So you don't have a choice in the matter. It falls into your lap. Or like a Brandon Ingram, C- like a C.J. Stroud situation. There you go. That's what I'm saying. So I, I'm, I think I'm comfortable with that rather than give something up potentially and make the wrong pick and you gave up additional assets. He's special, though. I've done a number of his games in Barton. You look at him, the arm talent, the way he moves in the pocket, the throws he's made. He is special. Should they go up and go get him? No, I wouldn't. I mean, you, it's, this is the thing. Like, somebody's going to be a bust, and you don't know who it's going to be. I mean, I, I think the last time where we had three hits, I think what it was um, maybe Eli Rivers and I forget who. Roethlisberger. And Roethlisberger, right? I don't, I don't know if this is what we're looking at. And you talk about giving up additional assets for that. I think you just – you know, Jaden Daniels may be the best one, but we know environment matters. So you, are you prepared to be able to handle these young guys? If you bring in Caleb Williams, are you going to make him be the savior again? We watched what happened with Mitchell Trubisky. We watched what happened uh, with Justin Fields. Are you going to bring in a competent backup like a Jacoby Brissett and say, hey, we're going to bring this guy along and we're not going to put him out there till we know that he's ready? You know, that's the pressure when you talk about being number one. If you lose, people you know, start clamoring for him. Sometimes if you fall, sometimes you win because, you know, Lamar and, and, and Josh Allen – you know, landed on their feet. I don't think you have to overthink it. Sam Howell's right there. He's still a young 
developing player. Like, if I'm Washington, I keep Sam Howell, I draft Drake May, and I, I roll from there. Just all North Russell Carolina. Just, just UNC. It's Tar Heels, <laughs> right? Like, that's the new plan in Washington. Look, I, I think if they could do it, then they should. I, I think there's – if your evaluation shows you that Caleb Williams is the, is the transformational player uh, and, and you don't feel the same way about Drake May or Jaden Daniels, then you have to make that effort. But for that reason, I, I don't think the pick's going to end up being for sale. <laughs> but I, I think right. Chicago probably just sits there and takes him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to your point, you don't hear as much about Drake May or Jaden Daniels in terms of that. But I think if either one of those were thought to be the consensus number one overall pick, you might. Right? I think like, all you can do with Caleb right now is knock him down. Yeah. So I think that's why you're starting to hear those questions. And when you talk about Washington's situation, if they were able to do it, having Cliff Kingsbury there and his history, not just with Caleb Williams, but with other mobile quarterbacks that may have needed to iron out some of the stuff that Mike T is talking about, you know, and, and, and helping Kyler Murray transition to the NFL where he's been a good player. So I, I think there's a lot to be said for that situation for Caleb Williams. I, I just think it's a pipe dream because I think the Bears are going to take it. Yeah, yeah well, what would the Bears give that pickup for? They have two picks in the top ten. Right. Like, we're, we're, we're in the building process now. It's time for Matt Everflus to win. And he's not going to give up a talent like that, and maybe not one that's supposed to be generational. Right. We talked about it the, this morning. You know, Carolina, we'll see what happens with Bryce Young. But the other thing that happened in that building every week was, oh, my God, look how good C.J. Stroud is. Chicago does not want to see Caleb Williams go to another team. Right. And be like, wow, look how good he is. The, the, the similar situation in the NBA, if you recall, member Philadelphia 76ers traded up to get Markel Fultz with the number one pick, and they could have just held the pick and drafted Jason Tatum. Yeah. I don't know if this right. is that situation, <laughs> right. but I'm just saying. And, and now the Philadelphia 76ers fan base has to watch Jason Tatum torch them for like the next, you know, 15 yeah. years. Good point. <laughs> we'll, great. we'll see what happens. All right, coming up here on the show, we're going to tell you the one NFC team that will pose the biggest challenge to the 49ers. The answer will definitely surprise you. That's coming up next on Get Up. Welcome back to Get Up. The Chiefs, of course, Super Bowl victory put us closer to the new NFL season. So, Dan, let's look ahead next season. Overreaction Friday. Dan, what if I told you C.J. Stroud will win MVP next year? Is that an overreaction? Oh, no, I don't think it's an overreaction. I think he'll be in the mix. I mean, I, I think, look, we've seen quarterbacks in their second year take big jumps, even after they didn't have the kind of year – uh, he had as a rookie. I also think Houston is in this phase right now like the Bengals were in heading into Joe Burrow's second year where they have cap space and they have a young, good young quarterback on a rookie contract. I think they're going to try and maximize that. I think they'll probably hit free agency hard, and I think he'll be in a position to be the quarterback of a very good team next year, which always puts you in the MVP mix. Bart, what do you think? Listen, you talk about, you know, what they did overseeing uh, expectations, even with the late injury. You know, Nico Collins is an outbreak, uh, breakout candidate. He's poised. He's lived up to the expectation, exceed the expectation. He's playing with that chip on his shoulder, and they got plenty of salary cap space to improve this roster. They had a lot of one-year guys, a lot of retreads like Sheldon Rankins. They can go big fish hunting now, and now people are going to want to come to Houston because now it's proved that it's not a dysfunctional place that we thought before C.J. Stroud got there. Okay, next up, the Bucks must re-sign Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Is that an overreaction? Yeah. Yes. Now, I, don't, I think they, they can re-sign him, and that would be a fine move. But I don't know about must. I think if the deal is there and it's right, it makes sense for them to bring him back. But I think they should look at all of their options. You know, Mayfield was kind of a flyer for them last year, and it worked out. Uh, he's the proof that you don't necessarily need to overcommit at the position if you trust your coaching 
Uh, I, I think, again, if it makes sense and it's there, I could see him back in Tampa. I don't think it's essential. I think there are other options for them if he were to make it difficult. Our resident GM, Mike T. Yeah, I disagree. He was a great story. This was his fourth team, Carolina Rams, and obviously Cleveland resurrected his career right. with Todd Bowles coaching a really underrated and pretty good defense. They can make some noise in the NFC South next year. If I'm Baker Mayfield, I found a home, sign a three to five year year deal, and that's your new home, and go make a run with the Buccaneers. Okay, if you understand. If he change, un- that doesn't matter at all. They if were he, together in the Rams, Liam yeah, Cohen. Right. Well, if he understands who he is, right, he has to understand, like, listen, we love Baker Mayfield at a certain price because it allows you to bring back guys like Devin White. You got it. You got it. He has to understand who he is. Understand he doesn't have too many opportunities out there. Finally, what if I said the Rams are the biggest challenge to the 49ers in the NFC? Is that an overreaction? I don't think it is. I think the Rams are right there in their division. They made the playoffs this year in what by rights should have been a rebuilding season. They carried more than $70 million in dead salary cap money this year, and all that is gone. They have the ability to hit free agency. They have a first-round draft pick for the first time in eight years. I think the Rams are positioned to to rebuild quickly. They already made the playoffs in a year where they were supposed to be down. I think they're positioned to make life difficult on the 49ers in their own division next season. Now, listen, I, I know if Dan O was here, he he always believes in Matt Stafford. And people, people they're, 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 that's probably where he is right now. <laughs> yeah, and Puka Nakua yeah. was phenomenal. But mm-hmm. Aaron Donald was not as dominant as we've wow. seen in the past here. Well, we believe in the Rams. Well, well that's tough to say say because I, I forget the guy, uh, the, the kid that they drafted right next to him. He was able to eat off of the fact that Kobe Aaron Turner. Donald, yeah, Kobe Turner, because Aaron, you know, because Aaron Donald garnered so much attention that he was able to get nine sacks. So you still got your interior linemen, your sack numbers are still up there. And listen, everybody has a down year at times, right? And you know, I'm sure Aaron Donald understands that he'll go back to do what he does in the offseason, be prepared. But with a run game and the, the ability to put points up like that, that's going to allow Aaron Donald to be able to have teams in, you know. Um, predictable down and distances, which is going to allow that defense to eat and be better. And they have plenty of money, $35 million underneath the salary cap, to be able to go spending. I think it's a very attractive destination for Sean McVay. You see our picks there when we talk about the biggest challenges tonight. You got the Packers. Guys, this is easy. As Darius reminded me, they have top six receivers who are all 25 years old or younger. This is the youngest team in the NFL. This is like buying NVIDIA two years ago. This is a, <laughs> Did you guys watch the playoff game? The difference between the Packers and the 49ers wasn't that big. They are coming. Jordan Love is younger than Lamar Jackson. They have such a ceiling. I think the Packers over the next three to four years, as this nucleus just keeps developing, I think they're going to be hard to beat. Well, they got challenges within their own division. So let's see how that how that pans out. And let's see. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. saying, but let's let's see if they let's see if they have, you know, if they're going to be able to put it back now that people expect them to be good and going to prepare for them. By the way, I'm going opposite. I'm doing Seinfeld opposite because I always go Dallas. But you know what? I'm going with the Lions. Yeah. What up, though? What <laughs> up, though? Lions. Three one three. Three one Thizzard. Thirty years was enough. Yeah, thirty years of losing is enough. All right, stick around, Barks. I'm First gonna... image jumps off, and now you. <laughs> Damn, it's getting bad in Dallas. We How about this eye candy, Bart? Uh, this, look what happens when a linebacker picks up a lacrosse stick Ricky Miezon yeah. making his pro lacrosse debut with his hometown California Redwoods in the former Stanford Ooh. football camp yeah, yeah we ain't afraid of little contact cross recruiting high school will be bringing the thump to the PLL championship series this weekend what are your thoughts no there, blood. Thought hey you? no blood no foul the best athletes <laughs> on the field are linebackers look at that chest that- look at those trap 
trapezo muscles, you know what I'm saying? Look, playing through the contact, listen, you could talk about the perfect size and speed that is a linebacker. Look at the lateral quickness. Get up off me, man. Hey, no a, blood, no foul. Go that, tell your mama. That's a Jeff Saturday pancake right there. You're exactly right. We got to use that. I love it. All right. Trapezal? Ricky Mieszko joins us now live. And, of course, Ricky. Look at them trapezoids. Redwoods will be taking on the Philadelphia Water Dogs. That's tonight, ESPN2 and Plus. Mm. And, of course, Ricky, listen, uh, you made your debut just two days ago, and it looks like from the highlights, bro, you were thumping people out there. What was the experience like for you? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, You know, the little kid in me was definitely definitely proud to, to make it this far. Um, but I think the older me is definitely hungry. Um, and, and, you know, it's not enough just to be here. You know, I want to prove myself and um, uh, compete and, and win ultimately. Listen, former Stanford standout there, team captain, all of that. What was the biggest adjustment for you coming into lacrosse? Yeah, the speed of play. Um, being away from it for five years, um, you know, I had, I had a memory of, of what it's like to play lacrosse, but, um, you know, that image changed when you get to college, people are bigger, stronger, faster. They've gotten better. Um, and the speed of play is quick. I actually played my first scrimmage, uh, here at the St. James and the ball was flying around and, you know, you have a little bit of doubt about, you know, can I really play this fast? But, um, you know, it always helps to have good teammates and good coaches around you to get you ready to go. And, um, you know, I'm definitely feeling that with the Redwoods. You know, listen, we saw the highlights there. But for people who don't know, Ricky was a top high school uh, lacrosse recruit, played five years, of course, at Stanford as linebacker, team captain there. Why did you make the decision, though, uh, the transfer and then graduate and then play lacrosse all over again? Yeah, um, I think for me, uh, playing lacrosse at a high level has always been uh, a dream of mine. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I felt like this was the perfect opportunity to come back and, and um, you know, live out that dream. And I, I wanted to do that. So I felt, you know, with, with, the, with the time uh, in terms of eligibility that I had left, I felt that I wanted to use that on, uh, you know, playing lacrosse and um, live out that dream that that little kid had. Now, we, we know that lacrosse will be an Olympic sport, all of that type of thing. And listen, 2028, Olympics in L.A. How much did the possibility playing in L.A., playing in the Olympics come to uh, add to your decision to play lacrosse all over again? Yeah, um, you know, obviously representing your country is the, you know, the big, one of the biggest honors you can have. Um, but I would be lying if I said that, you know, a little part of me doesn't want to help, um, you know, help get together a team for the Cote d'Ivoire, the Ivy Coast, uh, where my dad is from, um, and, and represent the country that, that my dad did at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. That would kind of be um, really special for me and him. So I'm a little bit torn, but um, it's four years away, a lot of work to be put in until then, but uh, we will see. Ricky Miezon, man, best of luck to you. And, of course, we'll be watching on the PLL as well. Thank you, man. Appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Brian. Absolutely. And don't forget, folks, you can see the PLL championship this weekend as well on Monday ESPN2. All right, when we come back, we got to talk about Steph Curry, the Splash Brothers, Clay Thompson's new role, that that make them a contender. We'll discuss. <laughs> 